Hello, I'm Paul Mathias, National Director at Hayes Education. As the UK's leading education recruiter, we're absolutely committed to sharing meaningful insight and information with the education community. And we're delighted to be working in partnership with Sir Tim Brickhouse and David Cameron, the real David Cameron, on this series of podcasts based around the Hayes booklet on 10 challenges to becoming a truly creative school. These podcasts are a, a great opportunity to learn from Tim and David's experience and ideas. We hope you enjoy this series of podcasts on Creative Curriculum. So hopefully welcome back to at least some people. Um, this is now the sixth of these conversations that Tim Brighouse and I have been having. Um, if you're not familiar with the series, I'm David Cameron. Um, We've been talking about creative curriculum now. We've touched on a number of the processes that we've written about in our booklet on curriculum, uh, which is available through Hayes, and we'll give you the contact details for that at the end. Um, towards the end of the last episode, we got into a discussion about staffing and staff retention. And where I think we finished, Tim, was on the theme of staff retention and staff development, how we place value in staff. And I know that of all of the things that we've talked about in the book as being associated with successful leadership, you probably place staff development absolutely at the, the apex of that particular pyramid. So do you want to just start us off by talking a bit about the value and how we might think about staff development? Well, I'm not going to go into getting teachers in the first place, though that is a big issue. And we can touch on that. I, I'm much more interested in retaining them when you've got them. And I suppose I'm thinking that at the moment we're in a time, and I guess it will be a time that won't change in this characteristic for quite a long time, which is we're so preoccupied with data as an essential ingredient of of an accountability system that is pretty fierce that the great temptation for school leaders is to go at hard at the issue of looking at data and what's wrong whereas my feeling is that what we ought to be doing with teachers is working out how we can energize them so for my money, it's that Judith little thing of, you know you're in a good school where teachers talk about teaching, where teachers observe each other's practice, where teachers plan, organise and evaluate together, and where teachers teach each other things. And I think it, the really interesting exercise for a school to do will be to take all of those, so they're talking about teaching, and then saying what practices within our school make it more likely that teachers talk about teaching. It might be the nature of meetings. It might be the opportunities teachers have, getting to the second one, to observe others teach. Uh, even observe your own teaching using these amazing systems such as STAR, and in particular for me, Iris Connect, I think it's a terrific system. And how do you 
so organise the school, particularly in a primary school, for example, so that there are pairs working together in a year group and therefore you can get over to the end of the day having a very short meeting about what's gone well today, what's not gone well, how do we adjust in our planning for next next day. Um, and how do we... The wonderful thing, we were talking about it the other day together, which is, you know, before... Before I entered retirement, in other words, during that long career that ended in 2007, there were no such things as teach meets. And now teach meets are all over the country. And it is teachers talking about teaching, little things that work, as you were suggesting today, little things that don't work, and learning from that process. If we can get all those four happening, I think we're more likely to have a school where teachers are saying, what if, how about, let's do, who are energetic, who know about the Sutton, to, you know, the Sutton kind of trust and education endowment fund evidence, who know about John Hattie and are sceptical about, well, you know, it may work for him, but it won't work for me. Uh, it, she's doing this in this particular context. We've got a different context. It's having teachers that are actively engaged in a voyage of learning themselves that actually creates energy and is make, making them because a voyage of learning is an exciting uh, opportunity and therefore they're more likely to stay longer. The secret over the next few years is if we could keep teachers just that bit longer we would make a huge difference and, and I think you're right about that being the key to keeping teachers longer that idea of, of making it rewarding um, I've spoken on other occasions about the nobility of the profession and the fact that we need to give people the opportunity to reflect on successes um, when I was listening back to some of the earlier podcasts and looking at some of the stuff that we'd done, I was very struck by some of the things that you talked about in terms of building on success. Um, and I've been using the story about uh, Margot McAllister, who's a head teacher in Edinburgh. And when I asked Margot what she was doing about her school improvement plan, she said, I've asked them all to focus on something that they're already good at. I like and look about Yeah, and, and look at how they might strengthen it. And we started to talk around that, about the idea of collateral improvement, that teachers investing in an area of success might give them the energy to make wider improvement. Whereas if we focus solely on an area of weakness, we may find that that goes forward at the expense of other areas. And I think we just need to think through how all of that works. But that element of positivity, I think, is, is so important because one of the things clearly that will drive people out of the profession is a sense of being down in themselves and a sense of frustration that they're not achieving their ambitions. I agree strongly with you about that. Um, it seems to me that when, just looking back, people are always on about, particularly in England, they're always on about challenge and support. And so we had a London challenge and we've got challenges all over the country. And somebody said to me plaintively the other day, do you think you could find another word for this? <laughs> and, I, and I know what they're meaning, which is actually good teachers are about support 
um, challenge. They're not about challenge and support. So you wouldn't dream of going into a classroom and identifying straight away what people aren't good at. You'd have a riot on your hands before you get too far, unless you're an extraordinary rare person that can handle all that. So my view is very much that your story about the head saying, look, let's just see what we are good at and how do we get people into a mood of however good we are, we're going to improve it. I think she's on a winner. And and it it ties back, you, you touched on it in some of your earlier comments, but the the idea that came up in the conversation that we had with London Heads this morning about a teach me which was based on the mistake from which I have learned most. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the idea of allowing people to understand that there will be mistakes, that there will be failures, and that we shouldn't allow that to dominate our thinking about how we are as teachers. Um, you know, again, I, I use the example all the time that if, if I do a, a staff development exercise and we do evaluations and out of 198 come back saying I was brilliant and, you know, I was dynamic, I was knowledgeable, I was intellectual and I was strangely physically attractive and an older man. And two people say, why on earth did you boot? Then the only two that I, I'm interested in are the last two. I forget about all of the others and I focus on the failure and it drains the energy. It might drive me on and challenge me, but it, it drains the energy when you do that all the time. And the number of teachers who get to the weekend and only focus on the things that went wrong, I'm sure that's really, really damaging. But how do we translate that into a positive, I think, is a massive question. Yeah, it is. It is. But I was going to ask you, I wonder if you... if. We've never had this conversation, but I wonder if you're aware of appreciative inquiry, because appreciative inquiry, I think, delving back into practice, that certainly I was pushing like mad when I was in Birmingham and then again in London, but it does force you to ask questions. What is the existing state of affairs? What might be the state of affairs, i.e. this is what we're doing, Let's search for something that extends what we're doing, right? And then the third stage in appreciative inquiry is what will be? What are we damn well going to do together? Um, and I think if teachers are in schools where that's the natural thing to be talking about, uh, then they're, 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 they're fortunate and they are more likely to stay within the profession. I think there are loads of other things that will help them stay within the profession. We've talked about them at various sessions together. You know, job descriptions for me can either be the sort of thing you avoid looking at or the sort of thing that reinforces, well, what am I leading on? Whose team am I in? How do I work interdependently? Um, so job descriptions are important and practices that enable me to have a debate with somebody about who who, who can I turn to in terms of coaching on questioning or whatever? Um, so is the school equipped to give me that support? Did I wonder whether the best thing that could happen over the next 10, 15 years would be for places like the Institute of Education in London, now with UCL, or Sheffield, or... Sheffield Hallam and Sheffield University's education department, or in Liverpool, you can think of it, and in Birmingham, you can think of it all over the place, and in 
your part of the world, uh, Edinburgh, Stirling. You're going to tell me that I'm going to miss important ones, Glasgow. Whether those higher education institutions who still retain an interest in teaching could be validating bodies for a charter mark that any school could have on practices, say they've got to have eight out of ten key practices, and then they could say, yeah, we can have the charter mark. That means if you come to us as a teacher or you're working within us, these are the practices we would adopt, and here are the entitlements you would have to pursue and extend your career. I think that would be a powerful contribution to the health of the profession right across the the, the country. And and you started on that you started on that last night. Um, and one of the things that we've been talking about with Ash, the Secondary Heads Association in Essex, is that very idea of trying to establish what they could do collectively and how that might be recognised. And I do think there's real value in that. I do think that the idea, which is strong in Scotland, of career progression um, in terms of quality rather than simply promotion, I, I think that's hugely valuable. In the sense of people being able to remain as teachers and still make progress and enrich themselves as they move through and be recognised for that, that seems to me to be potentially very motivational, and I think it's an idea that's that's worth sticking with. I think it, it ties in closely to what the General Teaching Council in Scotland is trying to do through professional recognition, and I think there's some real value around that. But one of the other things I've been really struck by listening to you this morning, and listening to you on a number of other occasions, is this idea that, like appreciative inquiry, that there were lots of things that we did in the past that we almost got right. Yeah. And you talked on an earlier occasion about the drive towards the reflective professional and your comment almost was that without that translating into action and change, it is merely a self-indulgence. Yeah, it is. I think that. Um, and, and I started to think around... The, the cycle of reflect, apply, evaluate, and change. And I, and I began to, to think around that whole idea of that process of, you know, reflection has to lead to an action, and it's by the action that we must be judged. I agree with that, and, and I think if you don't have the follow-up action, then you aren't going to develop. I mean, if you move it into the sphere of sport, unless... I mean, it, the, we're living at a time now I'm placing the whole thing. Uh, Andy Murray, who has become a tennis player and has, over a 10-year period, become better and better and better. And that's presumably because really good coaching, really good reflection but also action on those reflections to extend his competence, his range, and there's no, there's no doubt, doubting his determination to get better. And it seems to me that that's what we... You know you're in a good place, where on whatever the activity that you're involved with, there is that collective determination to get better at what we do. And where teachers know that they're being supportive in that, 
that that they're a bit reluctant to move away from such a place because they're moving away from a place which is delightful to work in. What I would like are more places like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's two things that I would come back to uh, from that. Um, I think one of the things about Murray is the, the interesting idea that he may have been condemned at one point on the on the basis that he wasn't making progress fast enough. That, you know, he erupted yeah. very successful, won the American Open as a boy and then broke through into the professional ranks. And he's made steady progress, but it wasn't the stellar progress that no. Djokovic made. I think there are some real issues in that because I think we are caught up currently in a tendency to judge too early and to obsess with pace rather than overall progress. And I think we may have touched on that in some of the earlier discussions, but it seems to me to be terribly important. I mean, Andy Murray, of all the tennis players that we could think of, is almost an example of lifelong learning. Uh, not somebody who went through a process, was expected to graduate at the top of his craft at a particular time or stage, and then somehow they move on and do something else, but somebody who has continued to learn and improve. And I think we need to take some lessons around that in terms of how we think about accountability. Yeah, we do. Uh, and for my money, that takes me back to saying, OK, staff development and creating a context in which teachers are respected, they have responsibility i.e. they lead on something because you know there is such a lot of things to lead on within a school that you can give that and it is a gift it's a it's a precious gift that i'm the leader on whatever it may be and thirdly that they have new experiences from time to time otherwise they get stale and fourthly they're in a climate where they can make mistakes, they can take risks, they're not going to bald out, get balled out. Um, those four ingredients are at the heart of keeping, uh, keeping good teachers once you've managed to get them. And I, I don't know whether it's worth having a little reflection on how we get them. Have we, we've not really... We, we did touch a bit on that, I think, in the last episode particularly, but I think there's more to be said around that. And I'll come back to you on, on the more that needs to be said around that, Tim, because one of the things that we've touched on as well is how enthusiastically Michael Wilshaw, head of Ofsted, has been, and you've mentioned this, in talking about permitting circumstances. Yeah. And permitting circumstances for me are meaningless unless there is shared responsibility. And that's what needs to coalesce, is that sense of shared responsibility alongside permitting circumstances, so that we take responsibility for that which we allow to happen as much as we take responsibility for those things that we cause to happen. And I also love the idea you spoke about job descriptions, of having absolute clarity in terms of practice as to what is a reasonable expectation yeah. of our teachers and teaching assistants. And the idea that we pick up on the leading responsibilities that people have in standards for registration. These things aren't plucked out of the air. The opportunity is there. And I think there's a, a real sense around that we shouldn't 
talk so much about dispersed leadership and should talk more about honouring responsibilities because I think these leadership responsibilities are built in and if teachers are respected, recognised for them and if there are pathways for development resulting from that exercise of responsibility, then I think that's not an undue ask of the teaching profession. But as you say, we can't develop them if we can't get them. So your thoughts on recruitment and getting teachers into the profession? David, I think recruiting is, is a devil, and the devil's in the detail. I mean, if you aren't going to give them information that excites them, they're not going to apply to you. So the further particulars are absolutely crucial, and indeed, the more zany they are, uh, I think the better, because I think that the, the quirky individual is going to want to come and work for you if they see really interesting details. So I personally think and setting out what they're going to get is going to help. Then involving students in the appointment, I've never yet known students who don't do that well. Growing your own, many, many heads now saying they get people who are really good on the effective through being teaching assistants. And they know that they can get the pedagogy, they can get the subject knowledge, and they grow their own teachers through things like uh, School Direct and, in previous times, graduate uh, approaches and the Open University did some excellent work there. They're going to stop doing it in 2018, which is a great pity. But my view is that it's coming to organisations like Hayes as well. But you've got some views, I know, about recruitment and I would love to hear those. I, I, I do think that you're idea of consistency and clarity around the image of the school is useful <clears throat> and you've talked on other occasions about the importance of the school website that that should reflect the school and I've talked about how the school vision must ask things that bind people to the school, that must create a genuine impression of the school, give a sense of what's really important, what the core purpose of the school is and I think that acts as a filter in terms of recruitment because as well as being desperate to recruit, we shouldn't allow that desperation to outweigh the importance of getting a good fit with the staff that we get. And I think that often carrying a vacancy can be less damaging than recruiting the wrong person simply because we feel that we don't have any other choice at that stage. I think that's fatal. I mean, recruiting the wrong person you're better off making do amend and making sure you get the right person. Yeah, and I, and I think that's absolutely right. I loved the idea of growing your own. Um, we talked about the school which identified people who had an ambition to go into teaching and the idea of offering some support or some bursary or whatever if they came back and taught in the school from which they'd come. Yeah. And again, that offers all sorts of possibilities of overcoming accommodation costs, for example. Yeah. Uh, We're talking about sixth form, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah 12, 13 youngsters we know and yeah. might come back and live with their parents. They probably will anyway. Yeah. Difficult to get rid of them, actually. You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that boomerang effect's writ large in your own life. But I think there are so many things around that I love the idea that you've spoken about taking forward teaching assistance. I love the idea of recognition and celebration. I think you're right about how we advertise and how we present the school as being absolutely critical and we, we, we get far too caught up in it. But one of the things that I think we do need to do is we, we do need to do some of the things that we've tried. 
and we need to try harder with it, about enhancing the whole image of teaching. I think David Putnam's idea around the teaching awards, that kind of celebration, I think some of the ideas of, of that national celebration around teacher success gets us more into the Finnish territory of teachers being seen as being very, very valuable members of the community, that they have a place and they have a respect. And I think that's got to be part of a wider effort that we make to re-emphasise the value of education because far too many people are, are now rejecting education. They see it as a narrow focus on attainment, as a mere gateway to individual social mobility or worse still, a trapdoor to failure um, and people are not buying into the full value of it. I think if we could enhance that, that would help enormously in terms of recruitment. So I agree with that. So if you were summarising where we got to in these six podcasts, uh, wh wh where would you say? Well, I think what we've tried to do, and, and I think you're, you've been the genesis of it in terms of the processes, is we've tried to recognise, as we did in the first episode, that creativity is hugely important, not only in its own right, but in terms of the impact that it has on student well-being and student attainment. I think that too many young people are held back, not through the absence of learning, but through the absence of experience. And the absence of experience makes it difficult for them to find meaning, to find relevance. It makes it difficult for them to retain and gather that which is of value through the learning. I think emphasising all of these areas in terms of how we treat young people is something that we've talked about. I think the idea of having a multifaceted approach, and there are 10 chapters in, in the booklet that we've done, we've tended to ramble across them in this series, but I do think that we continually come back to the idea that it's the importance of the learner, that it's the value of what happens when educators and learners come together that makes the difference in terms of attainment. It's the pride and reward that comes from that which allows us both to engage and to retain teaching staff and, and teaching assistants as well. I think we've talked a lot about how teachers need the capacity to find ways to deliver learning which match their strengths and allow them to be creative. And I think you've been very clear that we don't get creativity in young people unless we get creativity in those that are engaged with them. And I think as we've moved across all of these areas, we've identified what you've talked about um, in the booklet as a map for school improvement. Um, the work that you've done for RM, which is also still available, still free, I think that's still worth going back and, and looking at. Because what we, we've tried to do with this series, I think what you've tried to do consistently is to give both structure, clarity, and add to that simplicity around what the process of school improvement is, so that you give a sense of that as being something that's manageable and achievable. Um, I think it ties in with some of the things that I pushed on around my three principles of manageability that we do think things through to the point of delivery so that we don't fall into the workload trap once we've embarked on change, but we find a way through it in anticipation of change. Um, coherence of building a strong narrative around the school and creativity and consonance where we're continually looking out to see what the external demands are and making sure that all of the approaches that we take reflect and capture that.
And I think if we if we work with that idea and we get people to engage around it, then I do think we've given across the six series something which will at least challenge thinking, and I think that's hugely important. So do I. And thank you for, as usual, guiding me through some ideas and correcting my failing brain. And in this last one, we've managed to do it outside a school playground and with the odd alarm going off, which was you trying to nick a car. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure it'll work very well. OK, thanks for that, Tim. Well, in a sense, that brings the series of conversations to a close. But Tim and I don't want the conversation to end. We would really like to continue it online. Um, we're setting up a hashtag, which is hashtag Hayes, capital H, Ed, capital E, CC, Hayes, Ed, CC. Um, we're going to put out some questions on the back of uh, the discussions that we've been having. And what we hope we'll do is create a successful forum where we can begin to think about teaching, talk about teaching, talk about school leadership, and hopefully get some uh, genuine exchange of practice and advice. We think these are important debates to have, particularly right now, and we hope that the demand will also lead to a further series of podcasts working with Hayes. You can access lots of information around this through the Hayes website, which is hayes.co.uk forward slash education. I've already mentioned the hashtag. Um, through the website address, you would be able to access the booklet on which the conversations have been based. The conversations are available on iTunes. We've been tweeting relentlessly about them. We would appreciate any retweets around that, and we'd appreciate any retweets around the conversation. We think that if nothing else, this is a good start to debate, and we hope that it'll continue into something that'll have a real impact in terms of practice. Thanks for bearing with us on the journey. Thank you for downloading this Hayes Education podcast. To request a copy of the 10 Challenges to Becoming a Truly Creative School booklet, and to find out more about the services we offer, you can visit our website, which is hayes.co.uk forward slash education. You can speak to your local office regarding forthcoming Leadership Breakfast seminars, and you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Just search for Hayes Education UK. Thank you.